millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are connected today with Brother Dan and Brother Hael. They are involved in outreach to Druze people in the Middle East. And so we're going to talk about who the Druze are, what they believe, and also sort of their pathway to ministry, their pathway to Christ. I think you'll be encouraged by this conversation. Dan, Hael, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be with you. First question, I I think for most of our listeners, there's probably a lot of our listeners who have never heard of the Druze people. So who are the Druze? What do they believe? Where are they? Uh, Just kind of give us a little bit of information about the people that you're ministering to. Good day to everybody. The Druze people are in the Middle East, most of them in Lebanon and Israel and Syria and a bit in Jordan. It's about uh, one million, one and a half million, more or less. They have a completely different uh, religion than anybody else. They believe in reincarnation. And they do believe in Jesus, but not the way that Christianity believes. So you say that there are people. Is is it there an ethnicity that is Druze, or is it purely a religious identity? Uh, there was a study done not that long ago where they did uh, some DNA marker tests to find out if, in fact, the Druze people group were only a religion or if they were actually a distinct ethnic group. And they found out that uh, they were actually a distinct group. So the only way that you can be a Druze person is if you have a Druze father and a Druze mother. Someone like George Clooney and his wife, who is Druze, they have twins, but their twins are not Druze. The Druze people, they would not self-identify as anything other than, like they wouldn't say we're Muslims and we're Druze. They would just say, we are the Druze people. Yeah, they have nothing to do with the Muslim at all. Even if you visit any uh, village of the Druze people, you don't see any mosque there. So it's completely, even though they live amongst Muslims, it's com- they stay completely separate. It's completely different than Muslim, yeah. So what is the relationship between the two? Because obviously living in Lebanon, living in Jordan, living in Syria— they have Muslims all around them. Is there animosity or do they kind of get along or what's what's the relationship like? The Muslims, especially Sunni Muslims, mm-hmm. consider the Druze to be heretics from Islam uh, because okay. the Druze religion started about a thousand years ago and was an offshoot of Islam itself. There's respect, uh, but the respect only goes so far because of the view that it's it's a heretical religion. So, Hael, what happens when a Druze person meets Jesus and says, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be Druze anymore. I don't believe in reincarnation anymore. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, well, I experienced it myself, so I know there's uh, 
some of the Druze people, they believe in Jesus. Yes, that's right. They don't accept them in the Druze society because you're born Druze, you have to die as a Druze. But if somebody like believe in Jesus, depends where you are as well. In Lebanon, they take a different way. In Syria, different way. In Israel, different. You know, so depends where you are as well. Uh, if they know about you, about me, they they can uh, try to convince me not to be Christian and uh, to stay as a Druze person as I born, like my parents, like my grandparents, whatever. Then they can push you for too many different things that uh, to try to frame you somehow in some places, you know, to damage uh, your stuff, maybe to do very bad stuff. Some of them, obviously, not all of them, but the religious strict people, they can do so. So I experienced it myself and it wasn't easy and they're still paying for it. One of the things that uh, it was told to hail, it's kind of a rule and it might be unspoken is that uh, it's okay for you to believe this as long as you don't uh, do it out loud, as long as you don't do it openly. Uh, So what you do behind closed doors, that's your business, but don't bring this into the community. And Jesus didn't say that to us. He said, we must say to everybody. Yes. (laughs) If you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Yeah. So it, it sounds like it starts out with conversation. Hey, you were born a Druze. You should always be a Druze. Why, why would you do this? Why would you betray your people, your heritage? But then it escalates to a lot more pressure, physical threats, threats against your possessions. How did you respond to that? Well, I'm unbeliever, so whatever God plan, uh, he's with me, so nobody can be against me. This is number one. And secondly, I'm I'm taking it wisely and I think about everything nicely that not to hurt nobody and not to be against nobody as well, even if some people are against me. I left where I used to stay and I live in different uh, town now. And I'm doing fine. I'm happy with uh, the way how I am. I'm happy that I'm Christian. I knew the Lord. And uh, I'm very happy to uh, that I met um, my brother Dan and my sister Meg. We in very good relationship with them all the time. We meet and we speak about God, and uh, we do a lot of stuff together. So I'm happy with that. Even though there's been a lot of sacrifice. Yes, for me it's uh, nothing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> all the all the disciples they paid the price. So who I am. <laughs> All the disciples, that's that's true. One of the things that uh, Jesus warned his disciples was that uh, they will throw you out of the synagogues. What's not really well understood, I think, in the West is that the synagogue was the community. It wasn't just the building where you went to go worship God. It was actually the whole community system. And what Hale has been humble about talking about is that they cast him out of his community. And so as Jesus was talking to the disciples in a Jewish context about being thrown out of the synagogue, Hale was thrown out of his community. And so that's one of the most difficult things is that although he he is a follower of Jesus Christ and, a, and he proclaims his name, he still is Druze. He's, he's, he's from, a, he's from that, that location. And so 
he was thrown out of that. And, and it's a, it's not an easy thing to be thrown out of your, your community. Yeah. And I think, like you say, for Westerners, that's hard to understand. That's your educational opportunities. That's your mm-hmm. job opportunities. That's your place to live. That's all of those doors are open through those community relationships and you lost those. Yeah. Hale, how did you meet Jesus? How, how did you hear about Christ and make that decision to follow him? I, I read a lot of uh, religious books, obviously, but uh, I read the Quran. I read the a bit of the Druze religion as well. I read the Torah. And then I say I must read, uh, read the Bible as well. And when I read it, and I straight away, I find myself there. This is the real God. This is the real Christian. This is the Lord. Uh, I couldn't leave the Bible until I every day I read it in my life and I practice it as well as much as I can. And what language was that Bible in? Well, I start talking in uh, uh, read it in uh, English because uh, I used to say in South Africa and there's no Arabic uh, Bible there. That was a little bit difficult for me. But after that, I find the one in uh, Arabic and then I start to read it. And then... Uh, I will understand it much better, yeah. What was it, because you said you started to read about other religions. You started to read about Islam. You started to read about uh, the Torah. You started to read the New Testament. What were you looking for? What What didn't you find as a Druze that you felt like some other religion could offer you? Everybody know that Christian people is a very good people. They're very nice people. They're very helpful people. Uh, they have sympathy. They they do all good things. And this is didn't come from nothing. Obviously, they must come from religion. So I was curious to know what they're reading there. Who, why why these people is like that? So when I started reading, and then I knew what happened, and and then myself, I changed a lot as well. Because the Bible really can change anybody and everybody listen now. If he read the Bible, he can change. Even if you have a lot of problem or whatever, God will be with him. Yeah, it, I did change a lot and really I find him there. And this from the bottom of my heart, I'm saying that. Well, I remember the first time that Hale and I met, which was five years ago. And that was actually an appointment that the Lord set up for us. It wasn't anything that he or I manufactured. And uh, I, I remember wondering how it was that he became a believer and because he had lived in South Africa and what what Arabic community was in South Africa. And uh, he told me about how uh, he went to the Coptic church mm-hmm. in South Africa, which, of course, uh, is something that you find in Egypt. It was there that he was able to be baptized and to be discipled. And so it's just interesting how God will take someone out of the Middle East to South Africa to find himself and then to be discipled in a, in a church community that is very foreign to anything that he had had before. So it's just how God works. It is how God works. It's always amazing yeah. to hear uh, and how he makes those connections Dan, I want to talk a little bit about your story because uh, you are 
relatively new to working in this part of the world, kind of a second career gospel worker. Talk a little bit about your background and how God brought you into this second career. It's it's a long story and I'll make it short, but uh, I used to be in the business world and uh, I served at our uh, at, at our local church, and uh, and basically one of the things that uh, we had talked about on our missions committee was praying for a particular people, and possibly looking to uh, focus proclaiming the gospel to that people. And after a number of months where we had been praying about it, the Lord put Syria on my mind. And, and said, I want you to recommend Syria. And I said, absolutely not. And I said, don't you know who those people are? And this was back in 2007. So this is 15 years ago. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to recommend Syria. And I said, no, you know, they have terrorists and they're Arabs. And, and I had this great hatred for, for Muslims and Arabs. And of course, this was six years after 9-11. So, you know, a lot of that was still fresh. And the Lord said, I want you to recommend Syria. And I, well, I said, but, and the Lord said, remember Jonah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I know how that ended. And that did not end the way that Jonah thought. And so that was the beginning of it. And, and, and so I did, I recommended uh, Syria to our committee. And that started a process that made the first uh, trip to Syria back in 2007. And in that in that trip uh, where we, we traveled Syria up and down from Aleppo to Damascus and Homs and other places. And the Lord took out my heart that was so full of hatred for Muslims and Arabs. And he took a steel brush to it and he, and he just, he scrubbed the hatred off of it and he put it back in and he said, now I can start using you. And I really didn't know what was coming after that. I just thought, okay, well, it was very painful. Uh, I'm giving you the very brief version of it. It was very painful. But over the next couple of years, the Lord just really changed uh, our whole lives. And so uh, our original idea was that we were going to go to Syria, but the war started. And so we went to Jordan and we had to learn Arabic. And so we were studying Arabic there and Syrian refugees started arriving. And so shortly after we got to Jordan in 2012, we met our first refugee family. And so we were never able to get to Syria, but God sent Syria to us. And Amen. we met thousands and thousands of, of Syrians there. And the Lord gave us the opportunity to minister to them and, and to proclaim the gospel. So when you went on that first trip, you had no intention of like moving to the Middle East. You were just on a mission trip to kind Absolutely of get not. a little experience and see the ground. Absolutely not. The last thing on my mind was to move to the Middle East. <laughs> and a couple of years later, after a, after numerous trips uh, to the Middle East, uh, someone said, maybe the Lord is calling you and your wife to go to the Middle East. And at that time, we had a brand new grandson. And I said, my wife has a new grandson. We're not going anywhere. God will have to speak to her directly. <laughs> Since you're there, I'm assuming he did. <laughs> he did. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if this is you, you have to talk to my wife because I'm not going to. So let me ask you, because we have some listeners who maybe are in that sort of later stage of a business career or an education career, a doctor career. 
and maybe that thought sort of strikes their heart. Like, like maybe I could be of service in the Middle East. Maybe I could be of service in Southeast Asia. What would you say to them about thinking about that, praying about that, and just being open to even that concept? A long time ago, I say a long time ago, there was a book and it was called The Prayer of Jabez. And I think people in the States might be familiar with it. And it was kind of like, Lord, enlarge our borders. And uh, we prayed that prayer and we just didn't expect that the Lord would do that. And so what I would say is be careful what you pray because God is always listening. He knows your heart, but he also listens to what you say out loud. And uh, sometimes he will answer you in ways that you never thought were possible and, and certainly not expected. What I would say is just ask the Lord, if this is something that you want, the Lord will, he will open doors that are impossible in every other way. My wife and I, we've lived in the Middle East for 12 years now, and we would have never, ever in our, in our lives expected that we would live here. And yet we, here we are a dozen years later. And how did God then focus your attention on the Druze people? He brought us to mind on a trip one time to a Druze area. And it was there that uh, someone said, what do you know about the Druze? And I said, well, I know that they're, they're not reached. Uh, they are literally an unreached people group. And so it was a question of how, okay, so then how would you actually reach the Druze? And I said, that's a great question because I really have no idea how that, hap- how that would happen. And so uh, that's actually a, a kind of a big part of, of the story between Hale and myself is we were asking the Lord, Lord, if, if you're calling us to the Druze, then we need to know how it is that you want us to reach the Druze because we really didn't know. And that was when the Lord introduced Hale to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of leads right to my next question. What does your ministry look like today? Cause I know it, it's pretty exciting and it also is crossing borders. Hale and I met and I said, Hale, I've been praying about this for a long time and you became a believer. And so how should we reach your people? How do we do this? And I remember Hale saying, I've been praying about this and thinking about this for a long time. The way that we're going to do it is through this device right here. A phone. Because... That device goes around every mm-hmm. wall, every barrier, even in a closed community. Uh, we decided back in at the beginning of 2018 to start a social media ministry where we would proclaim the gospel in the Druze accented Arabic to the Druze people. Think of it as an updated way of the old way of uh, blasting the gospel around the Iron Curtain or over the Iron Curtain and into North Africa, because that was the only way that you could get the the gospel to those places. So Dan and and Hael, you mentioned Druze Arabic. Hael, if if a fellow Druze hears you speaking Arabic, they know immediately you're a Druze person? Yeah. A Syrian Muslim who speaks Arabic would also understand you. Is that correct? Yeah, they they do understand us, but they can notice that uh, the Druze, they pronounce the word and whatever, so they will know exactly this is actually coming from Druze, yeah. What 
kinds of things are you doing through this social media channel to speak directly to Drew's people? So we create video content every week. And some of it is narrative from the Bible. Some of it is our lessons, what we call lessons that we write. We try to make them only about three minutes long because we live in an age of social media, so it has to be short <laughs> and sweet. And so we write them in a way so that it, it delivers the gospel or a component of the gospel in a very clear and concise wording, but in a way that is associated with video. And so we have video asset libraries that we use that go along with the whole content. And so right now, one of the things that we've been working on are the fruits of the spirit, which sounds like something that you would only have for believers, but it's one of the things that we're explaining to those who are seeking is, is that these are the fruits of the spirit. And these are the kinds of things that you can expect. And as Hale mentioned before, one of the things that uh, he, he always thought as a, as a Druze and the, and the Druze, also say today is that Christians have a different manner about them. And that's fruits of the spirit. That's one of the things that he was talking about before. And so right now we're actually in, in, in the middle of one of those series, but also we do creation to Christ. We actually did the first uh, Arabic uh, translation of the creation of Christ story, uh, which uh, can be found on the site. And, and uh, right now we also just released a, it's, it's a nine square telling of creation to judgment. So it's the whole, it's literally Genesis to Revelation in four minutes. So it's longer wow. than normal, but we had a, a whole lot of people watching it. Yeah. So Hale, you said most of the Druze would say, it, if you just keep this in your house and be quiet about it, you know, that's, that's your business. You should not tell anyone you're putting videos online <laughs> telling everyone what's been the response because obviously you're getting people watching and I would assume you get some very curious and happy people but are you also getting people who say you need to stop this you need to be quiet about this no obviously yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what got hale kicked out of his community yeah I don't sense in you any second thoughts that you've never had any second thoughts of, boy, this was a heavy price or boy, this was too much of a sacrifice. I just, I don't sense that from you at all. I don't see it's uh, sacrificed about if, if you know the Lord, it doesn't matter what happened. It's not really sacrificed. So for me, if even if I pay the uh, heavy price for whatever can be, I still happy because I know I'm going to the right uh, direction. And this is the main thing for me. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax-deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.